Well, this morning and continuing for the next few weeks, actually, I want to talk to you about passion. I want to talk to you about your spiritual passion. As a matter of fact, we may talk about this for several weeks leading up to Easter because Easter is the most powerful passion story of all. Because when I think about passion, I think about Jesus. I don't know of anybody who lived and died with more passion than Jesus did. And really what I, when I think about passion, I think that passion is when we love something or we love somebody so much that we're willing to sacrifice for that or we're willing to sacrifice for them. Even, even make the ultimate sacrifice if that's what it takes. I think the most passionate scripture in the Bible is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about passion. So this morning, if you would take your Bibles and go with me to Romans chapter 12 because we're going to be looking at this passage of Scripture for the next few weeks. It's a small passage of Scripture, but we're going to be looking at it together for the next few weeks, and we're going to get everything we can. We're going to dissect this Scripture. We're going to break it apart. We're going to get everything that we can possibly get out of this Scripture. We're going to hear everything that God intends for us to hear and to receive from this passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. This is a passage of Scripture that the Lord gave me as we were going into our Ignite conference. And I read this passage of Scripture a couple of nights at the conference and made a few comments. But let's look at it together today. Paul says this in Romans 12, 11. He says, never be lacking in zeal. Never. In other words, there is never an excuse for us to be lacking in zeal. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter how much we're being opposed. It doesn't matter how much difficulty we're going through. It doesn't matter whether life is good right now or whether life is bad right now. Paul said, never be lacking in zeal. And then he says this, he says, but keep your spiritual fervor. And then he ends by saying, serving the Lord. Now I want to read that same passage of Scripture from a few different translations and versions of the Bible this morning. First of all, let's look at the English Standard Version. It says it this way. It says, do not be slothful in zeal. And we know slothful means to move slow. So, so it says, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And then we go to the old King James Version. Not slothful in business. Now, he's referring here to the business of the kingdom. And so he says, don't be slothful or not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. 
And then let's look at the New Living Translation. It says, never, everybody say never. Never be lazy in your work. And again, he's talking here about the work of the kingdom, the work of the Lord. And he says, never be lazy in your work, but serve the Lord enthusiastically. I like that. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. But for the sake of what we're going to talk about this morning, let's go back to the New International Version of Romans 12 and 11 where Paul says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now what I want to do this morning is I just want to take that first statement that he makes in this passage of Scripture and talk to you a little while this morning on this subject, feel the zeal. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, feel the zeal. Amen. I'm usually not one that tries to come up with catchy titles, but this one just kind of hit me this week as I was preparing this message for this morning. Feel the zeal. Notice what he said again. He said, never be lacking in zeal. Come on, everybody say zeal. Say it again, zeal. Now, now say it with a little bit of enthusiasm. Zeal. There, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. Zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. What does that word zeal mean? Well, let's define it here real quick. The word zeal simply means great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Let me say that again. Great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Now, if we go back to some of the passages of Scripture that we just read, then we can translate it like this. And that is that we need to go about doing the business of the kingdom with great energy and great enthusiasm. When we do the Lord's work, we need to be doing the Lord's work with energy and with enthusiasm. Somebody help me this morning with this. Energy and enthusiasm when it comes to serving the Lord. Let me tell you what I believe this world needs to see out of the church is the church need or the world needs to see a church that's excited about God and excited about serving God. Amen. This world needs to see a church that is full of enthusiasm and energy as it relates to God and as it relates to serving the Lord. Notice what Paul says here or what David said here in Psalm 69 and 9. He said, Lord, zeal for your house consumes me. Oh, I like that. you got to understand when he says zeal for your house, he's not just talking about a building. He's not just talking about going to a building. But when he talks about the house of the Lord, he's talking about the presence of God. And he said that zeal for the presence of God, zeal for encountering the presence of God, zeal, enthusiasm, energy, intensity, 
about getting into the presence of God and experiencing and encountering the presence of God. He said, it consumes me. He said, that's all I can think about. He said, that, that's, that, that, that's all that I, I want to do with my time, with my energy, with my effort. He said, I just want to stay in the presence of the Lord. And I believe that's the why he wrote in a couple of other places in the Psalms. He said, better is one day in your courts, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. I, I think that's what motivated him to say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. So, so let, let me ask you this morning, what was your attitude when you walked into this house today? I hope that you were just walking into more than just a building this morning. I pray that you walked in here enthusiastically. I pray that you walked in here with energy. I pray that you walked in here this morning with some intensity, amen, not being able to wait until you could just get into the presence of God and encounter Him and experience His power in your life. Amen. Come on. Energy, enthusiasm when it comes to the presence of the Lord. Notice in Romans chapter 10, here's what Paul said. He said, brothers and sisters, he said, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. He said, for I can testify that they are zealous for God. Notice he said, these Jews, these Israelites, he said they have a zeal for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Let me tell you something about authentic zeal this morning. One thing we need to know about authentic zeal is it's not depending on external circumstances, but it's dependent upon what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of me. Amen. That's why my circumstances and, and my situation can even be against me and adverse to me and opposed to me. But I can still have energy. I can still have intensity. I can still have an enthusiasm because zeal is something that's happening on, on the inside. It's a work of the Spirit, not a work of the flesh. That's why I don't have to have a particular song to be sung. That's why I don't have to have it at a particular volume level. Amen. That's why I don't have to have a certain preacher preaching to me. Yeah, because my zeal doesn't depend upon my external circumstances. My zeal is determined by what the Holy Ghost is working on the inside of me. Amen. Hallelujah. And something else that we need to know about zeal is that authentic zeal is zeal that is based on knowledge. And when I say knowledge, I mean a knowledge of who God is and what God has done in your life and in my life. You got Paul. Now you know that before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And Saul, even Saul was a man that was zealous for God. You won't find a man that loved God more, that was more zealous for God than Saul was before he met Jesus. But his zeal was a zeal that was not based on knowledge. You see, he, he had a zeal just like the rest of the Israelites that salvation came as a result of works 
but not as a result of faith in the finished work of Jesus at the cross. Well, all of that changed when Saul met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And when he discovered who Jesus really was and that Jesus had already paid the price for his salvation and that all he had to do was receive it by faith, he was still full of zeal, but now he has a zeal based on knowledge of who God really was. And he said, I'm praying for the rest of these Israelites. He said, because they have a zeal, but he said their zeal is based on religion and not upon a relationship, not upon a knowledge of who God is and what God has done. I wonder if there's anybody in this room here this morning that, that is still enthusiastic about who God is. Okay, can I ask you this morning, is Jesus... Listen to me. Hey, is Jesus still the best thing that's ever happened to you? Hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you, he's still the best thing that has ever happened to me. And when I think about the goodness of the Lord and how good he's been to me, and when I think about the grace of God, I, I can't help but think about that song, when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, and how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and he turned me around, and how he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout, hallelujah. It makes me want to shout, thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. <laughs> My zeal is a zeal based on knowledge. And then notice in Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Let me just say something before I hit this. You know, there was another time in the psalm, Psalm 119, Verse 139, but David made this statement. He said, my zeal consumes me. And the word consume there is different than just consuming my thoughts. But it's a word that means to wear me out. So he said, my zeal wears me out. I'm going to be honest with you, church. Sometimes my zeal wears me out. My body sometimes can't handle my spirit. I would say most of the time, if not all the time, so that sometimes my spiritual zeal wearies me physically. You ever been there? You got a fire burning on the inside of you, but your body is weak? Your body's a little slow. Your body's a little unhealthy. But there's a fire burning on the inside of you. And David said, my zeal wears me out. My zeal sometimes consumes me. In Titus chapter 2 verse 14, here's what Titus said. He said, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Talking about what Jesus did for us. From every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. You see, when we think about all that Jesus has done for us, when we think about his grace, when we think about his goodness, that right there should 
cause our enthusiasm level to rise, our energy level to rise, our intensity to rise. Notice, so that we serve Him with zeal, that we do good works with zeal. And then in Colossians 3 and 23, Paul said this. He said, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. In other words, give it all you've got. All your energy, all your enthusiasm, all your intensity. He said everything you do, do it heartily. That means as a worshiper, I'm going to worship him with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. As a warrior, a warrior, I'm going to war with zeal. Amen. I'm going to war with energy. I'm going to war for God enthusiastically. I'm going to war for God with intensity, but hear me, I'm also coming against the devil with zeal. Amen. I hate sin, and I hate what sin does. I hate the enemy, and I hate that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Amen. That motivates me to want to come against him, energy, enthusiasm, intensity as a warrior against the destruction of the enemy. But not only that, I'm going to heartily work for the Lord. I'm going to give him my best because he gave me his best. How many of you know God gave us his best? <laughs> and if he gave us his best, he deserves my best. And i tell you something else I'm going to do with all of my heart. I'm going to witness heartily. I'm going to witness with energy. I'm going to witness with enthusiasm. I'm going to witness with intensity. I'm going to let this world know what Jesus has done for me and that what he did for me, he wants to do for you. Amen. Amen. Zeal. But I think better than defining it this morning, I want to share a story from the scripture that describes zeal. And I'll do this as quickly as I can because I know we have a funeral here in this building about 1 o'clock today. But I've already notified the funeral home director. This is a Pentecostal church. We may be done and we may not be done. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. Amen. My Lord, I feel the zeal of the Holy Ghost on the inside of me this morning. Praise God. In Genesis chapter 24, let me tell you what's going on. It starts off by saying that Abraham is old. And he knows that his time is short. He knows that he's about to die, and as you know, he has a son by the name of Isaac. And Abraham calls his servant Eleazar in. And he has Eleazar to swear to him that he will not allow Isaac to find a wife among the Canaanites. But he said, Eleazar, what I want you to do, and, and, and at that time they were living in Canaan, but he said, Eleazar, he said, I want you to go back to my hometown. I want you to go back to where I'm from. And he said, I want you to go there and find a wife 
for my son Isaac. How many of you know this morning, and young people, I want you to hear this. If you want to find a godly spouse, you got to look in a godly place. Amen. <laughs> and that's what Abraham understood that these Canaanite women are pagan women. He said they worship all different kinds of gods. And he said, I don't want my son marrying one of these women and being persuaded to serve their gods. And so he sent him where he knew there would be a godly girl. And so we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 24. It says that Eleazar loaded ten of Abraham's camels. Now let me ask you this question. How many camels did he load up? That's really good, but you could say it with a little more enthusiasm <laughs> and a little more confidence. All right? Just in case you didn't hear me, look right up there. There's the answer. <laughs> How many camels did Eliezer load up? Yeah. All right, 10 of Abraham's camels. And notice that he loaded them with gifts, and then he set out, taking with him the best of everything his master owned. Oh, that's the zeal of the Lord for us right there. Because he comes with gifts, and he comes with the best of everything. But notice, Eleazar loads ten of Abraham's camels. And then in verse 10, as we continue, it says that he traveled to Aram Naharaim, which is Mesopotamia, and went to the village where Abraham's brother Nahor had settled. There, the servant made the camels. And how many camels were there? Ten. Ten camels. He made them kneel down beside a well just outside the village. It was evening, and the women were coming to draw water. And notice what Eleazar does. He prays. Here's something else I want to say to you this morning. Young people, if you're looking for a godly spouse or if you're looking for a godly person, pray. Pray. That's what Eleazar does. I mean, he was already concerned when he left that he wouldn't find her. But Abraham said this. Abraham said to him, the angel of the Lord has already gone before and prepared the way. What faith Abraham had. But Eleazar prays and says, O Lord, God of my master, give me success and show kindness to my master Abraham. Help me to accomplish the purpose of my journey. See, he said, here I am standing beside this spring and the young women of the village are coming to draw water. And so here's what he said. He said, this is my request, Lord. I will ask one of them for a drink. I'll ask one of these women for a drink. And if she says, yes, certainly, and I will water your camels too. Now, how many camels were there? 
ten camels. All right, you're good. You're tracking with me. He said, yes, certainly, and I will water your camels too. He said, then let her be the one that you have appointed as Isaac's wife. What a fleece he puts out here. That God, when these women start coming to the well, when I ask one of them for a drink, if she says, certainly, sir, and I will also get water for your camels, that will be the one that you've chosen for Isaac's wife. Well, notice he said by this, he said, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now look at verse 15. As he was still praying. Don't you love it when God answers a prayer even before you're done praying the prayer? <laughs> oh, I love when God does that. That even before you get up off your knees, God has already answered your prayer. Notice it said that as he was still praying, a young woman named Rebecca arrived with a water jug on her shoulder. Now, Rebecca was very beautiful. Oh, we're going to find out just how beautiful she was. Her external beauty, first of all, the Bible talks about. It says that she was very beautiful. Matter of fact, the name Rebecca in Hebrew means captivating. It, it, it also means to, to bind up or to tie up an animal, which is a picture of being bound, of captivated by this woman's beauty. That's how beautiful she was. And it says that Rebecca was very beautiful, and she was a virgin. Listen to me, young people. I'm giving you some good, good criteria in looking and praying for a spouse. She was very beautiful. She was a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. And it said that she went down to the spring, filled her jug, and came up again. And running over to her, Eleazar asked her, Please give me a drink. What do you think her response was? I'll not keep you in suspense any longer. Verse 18, look at what she said. Certainly, sir. Look, no hesitation whatsoever. Certainly, sir, she said. And she quickly, everybody say quickly. Not lazily, not slothfully, not slowly, not hesitatingly. But she quickly, you see, we're getting a picture of what real zeal looks like. This is the kind of zeal that God wants you and I to serve Him with. And it said that she quickly lowered the jug for Him to drink. And when He had finished, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have had enough. How many camels were there? There were ten camels. And she said, I will get water for your camels too until they have had enough. And then verse 20 says that she quickly, notice again, she's moving fast here. She's not lazy about it. She's not lethargic about it. She's doing it with energy. She's doing it with enthusiasm. She's doing it with intensity. She quickly emptied the jug into the watering trough 
and ran down to the well again. Now what that tells me is there is some kind of a distance. I don't know how much, but some kind of a distance between where the camels are, the watering trough is, and where the well is. And so she's having to make that trip back and forth across that distance. And it said that she... When, when she quickly emptied the jug into the watering trough, she ran down to the well again, and it says she kept carrying water to the camels until they had finished drinking. Now, I'm going to ask you one more time. How many camels were there? There were 10 camels. You say, Pastor, what is the big deal about there being 10 camels? Well, you got to understand, these camels have made a long journey. They've been walking through a desert. They've been walking through a wilderness. They've not had anything to drink for days. They are thirsty. And get this, the average camel, in order for their thirst to be quenched, can consume up to 25 gallons of water. How many camels were there? There were 10 camels. That's 250 gallons of water. Now let's just say that she had, and I'm being generous here because she probably didn't, but let's just say that she had a five-gallon bucket to carry the water in. Do you know how many trips she's going to have to make to make sure that every one of those camels get all the water they need to be filled? She's going to have to make 50 trips back and forth from that well to that watering trough. 50 trips back and forth, 250 gallons, 50 trips with a five-gallon bucket. But I want you to back up again and notice what it says when asked, here was her response. Certainly, sir, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough. And she quickly emptied the jug into the watering trough and ran down to the well again. And she kept carrying water to the camels until they had finished drinking. Nowhere does it ever say that she ever asked for help. Nowhere does it ever say that she ever griped. Nowhere does it ever say that she ever complained. But she did it with joy. She did it with energy. She did it with enthusiasm. She did it with intensity. She had intense diligence. She persisted with enthusiasm. She persisted with energy and intensity until the job was complete. Can I tell you, that's what God is looking for from His church. That's what God is looking for from His people is people who will do exceeding abundantly and above all that they are asked to do by God in His Word, that we serve Him with energy. We serve Him with enthusiasm. We serve him with intensity because he is worthy of our best. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Oh, somebody help me in this house this morning. It's the zeal of the Lord. Feel, feel the zeal. Amen. Amen. Matthew, and I'm going to close with this, and the team, the music team can come.
But in Matthew chapter 5, I believe it's around verse 40. It's not long after Jesus has talked to us about being the light of the world. He said that others may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now listen, it's not that God just wants the world to see that we're doing stuff for Him. But God wants the world to see how, what kind of attitude we have. People may see our enthusiasm, our energy, our passion, our intensity in working for the Lord and glorify our Father in heaven. But in Matthew chapter 5, verse 41 it is. Just after Jesus says what I just talked about, he then says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, he said, carry it two miles. Let me tell you what Jesus is addressing here. There was a law. Jerusalem at this time was under Roman occupation, Roman rule, Roman oppression. So there was, there was a law that said if a Roman soldier has been assigned and he comes to town, and he looks at you and he says to you as a Jew or as an Israelite, if he says to you, here, carry my luggage, then you were obligated by law to carry the luggage. But because they had taken such advantage of it, they had limited it and said that they could not command or demand that they carry the luggage more than a mile. That was as far as they could go. And most of these Jews who had the wrong attitude, when they got to the end of that mile, man, they set that thing down and said, well, I've done what the law required of me. And would walk away. But Jesus said, that's not how my kids act. It's not how my kids serve me. And that's not how they're to serve others. But he said, when you get to the end of that first mile and you have fulfilled what the law demanded, you then look at him and say, hey, would you like for me to carry that one more mile? In other words, he's saying, go the second mile. Put forth the extra effort. See, this is, this is what we need in the body of Christ, for God to ignite that, that kind of zeal for His work for kingdom business. 